everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 36. So glad to be with you. My name is Gabe Estel. I am here with my co-host, Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. How's it going, guys? Hola. Wonderful. All right. Wonderful. It's, well, yes, let's... it's going good. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, you know, the hot stove is heating up and we're going to talk plenty about that uh, here in a little bit. A couple things to lead us off. Um, there was a really funny story today that was posted on Deadspin um, uh, relaying a, uh, a radio bit about Andy Van Slyke. Andy Van Slyke, a player all of us grew up watching with the Pirates and then the Cardinals. Um, so he is a one of the coaches for the Tigers now. I don't know if he, I can't remember. He's either like a bench coach or a third base coach. And um, his kid plays for the Dodgers. And Andy Van Slyke went on St. Louis radio today and he was asked for his thoughts on Yasiel Puig and Van Slyke prefaced his take with, this is just between you and I, right? So he said that to the radio host, right? <laughs> because we know that everything, when, you, when you're on the radio, it's... Yeah, mega props to that host Absolutely. for making Van Slyke so comfortable that he forgot he was on the radio. <laughs> exactly. Frank yeah. Tomato, you really, really know how to make your guests comfortable. Jeez. Right. He should be a lawyer. Right. Yeah. And so, anyway, Van Slyke says, this is just between you and I, all right? When the best player... The highest payer that I'm quoting Van Slyke here, when the best player, the highest paid player on the L.A. Dodgers goes to the GM and is asked, what are the needs of the L.A. Dodgers? This particular highest paid player said, the first thing you need to do is get rid of Puig. That's all you need to know. All right. So like like it didn't take like much guesswork, you know, here like um, Kuzumano asked, is it Adrian Gonzalez? And Van Slyke <laughs> said no. Kuzumano correctly followed up by mentioning Kershaw, to which Van Slyke said, I didn't say his name. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. I know, right? Uh, Wow. Oh, okay, so obviously this tells me that Andy Van Slyke is a guy that, like, maybe I'd want to play poker with, right? (laughs) Um, He's gotta tell. So Jesus Christ! <laughs> so yeah, he literally pretty much threw his son under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you would assume his son, like we we mentioned in pre-discussion, that his son had to have told him that in like confidentiality. Maybe yeah, this is lit- a chance or a, a moment when a guy's literally taking one for the team, <laughs> and enough of that team is tired of Puig that they just yeah. they, they voted yeah. for Vance like to They're be like you're the rookie, the guy. <laughs> like just have your dad go on the radio, okay? All right, that's how we're going to break the news. All right, <laughs> forget a press conference. All right, we're just have your your dad go on the St. Louis radio station, and he'll break the news to everybody. Yeah, so so I thought that was a funny little anecdote from uh, looks like yeah, just yesterday. Would you take uh, Puig on your team? What's that? Would you take Puig? Gosh, um, you know, obviously, like like you guys, you know, I've heard, I don't know, I've heard bad things about him as a clubhouse presence. Um, but God, the athleticism is still there. He's only he's he's going to be twenty five next year. Yeah, wow. at, at only twenty four. Yeah, I'd, I'd still take him. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to mature. Yeah, I was going to say he's got some maturing to do. Yeah, 
And, you know, maybe these past couple, these past two seasons, once the buzz died down and the injuries started piling up, maybe that that brought him down a peg or two. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And he couldn't get, he couldn't even get a starting gig in that outfield that was a little bit crowded right. there in L.A. Right. I, I would guess I would guess he's probably on on the trading block. You know, I would, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers do a lot of wheeling and dealing and they've got Andrew Friedman in there now, too. So. So, yeah, he uh, he might. But yeah, I would take him. Yeah, I would. I would definitely take him. Yeah. I because I don't think he's. I assume he's still playing under a relatively inexpensive contract. So that would be another upside. Yeah. You know, since this is um, like what been the league like four years. Yeah, he he, got, he signed that deal. Uh, he he is, he'll get seven million, uh, next year, then eight million, and then nine million. So that's relatively cheap, actually. Yeah, I. I hate to say it, but yeah, yeah, seven, eight, nine million for a guy Over that's three years. Yeah. yeah, for a guy that still has a ton of potential. Um yeah. is uh is is pretty good. So yeah, I would definitely given that contract and yeah. his age, yeah, I would do it in a hard Well, and I mean and your team. Like right now I wouldn't want him on the Cubs just because I think he would mess with sure. the clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I think we're in a in a spot right now where it's like kinda gelling pretty good and Yeah. But like the White Sox, yeah, hell, I mean, yeah, no, I'd take. You guys him. need some fucking. Help. I I don't know uh, what it would take to get him. I mean, obviously we've got pitchers that we could. Oh, well, you got Avisel Garcia on the trading block. Just ship him over for Puig and. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you throw some draft picks in or something. I yeah. Mean, there, there's yeah. creative trades. Yeah. The thing is, I um. Would you would would you we'll include talk- sale? In a, in a, for Puig. Would you do sale Puig? I would have to, I would have to have somebody else. You know, I mean, a, I I don't a, know, like a scrub pitcher or something. Or oh, I think I'd want more than that. I mean, I I I don't know. I don't know their farm system. That I know they've got that what that uh, that Sager kid, right? Oh, Kyle Sager, yeah. I mean, I if they if they wanted to throw him in the deal or not, yeah, not Kyle Puig, Sager. Um, him yeah. and Puig for sale, I might consider it. You know, I don't think they would. Probably not, no. And also, I'm interested in, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the White Sox kind of kind of actually modeling what both of your teams are doing. Um, and I would kind of want the talent maybe that hasn't hit the field quite yet. You know, I don't know. I don't know who the Dodgers like top minor league talent is. You know, I yeah. assume they've got some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would want those guys, yeah. you know. I mean, obviously, if they could throw in Puig too, great. We could make it work. But I would, you know, I want that cream of the crop, you know, guys that are like on the verge of of reaching the big leagues, like yeah. guys that like where like Chris Bryant was last year, you know, yeah. what I mean? like oh, yeah. this time. That's who I want, you know. Yeah. So, so it would take it would take guys like that um, for me to 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 trade sale, and I'll certainly talk about that because I do have some ideas about trading him. Um, so yeah, so anyway. So the Puig thing was funny. Um, we'll see where he goes. Uh, also, a couple of music things I want to get into before we talk about our special guest um, that we've got a, a nice interview for you. A um, couple of rumors that, that – one rumor that surfaced and one confirmation. Uh, they're both related to tours. Uh, Gian, Guns N' Roses, right? The rumors are are pretty rampant at this point. It kind of – you know, I should say at this point, it it's cooled off a little bit in the last few days. But about a week ago, it was really – Really, uh, uh, the rumors were, were really everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 
I, I don't know. I mean, obviously this this tour, if it if it if they pull it off, it it would it would be huge. I mean, they could, you know, they could they could do stadiums. I think if they wanted to, probably. Or, oh yeah. Or arenas. Definitely arenas. Sell them out. Um, the demand would certainly be there. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that that it sounds like Axel and Slash have buried the hatchet. You know, I mean uh, that they've or buried the axe, I should say. Um, and Izzy and Duff are have been on good terms with Axel, I think, for the last few years. I mean, Izzy and Duff have sat in with this new lineup of Guns N' Roses on a couple occasions, just as, you know, just as guest spots. Yeah. Uh, or actually, I think Duff played a couple full shows with him as well when Tommy Stinson was torn with the replacements reunion. I would assume uh, there's footage of some of this online, right? Like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, there's plenty, yeah. Because I, yeah. I, to be honest, I have not heard Axel's voice since, like, Chinese Democracy came out. Oh, well, so, you're missing anything there. Yeah, I mean, I just... sound great. No? Okay. No, it's not, not awful. awful. No, he, he'll, he'll have his moments where he sounds pretty good. But, like, you know, like, some of the songs that are kind of, that are, like, sort of with him doing a lot of screeching, you know? Well, and that's like, Welcome the... to the Jungle and like those sound a little rough, but I think on some of the slower tunes he sounds pretty good still. Yeah. Well, and I mean there was kind of a little bit of that let down with Van Halen. I sure. Mean, yeah, Dave doesn't sound great at all. Yeah, uh, he Yeah, he, he sounds pretty gas pretty quick like yeah. the and into the like the first verse he's like, "Eh." Yeah. <laughs> As someone who liked Chinese Democracy more than I think a lot of people did, um, I'm uh, I, I, obviously I'm happy. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy for the the reunion, even though I didn't hate the new tunes uh, like a lot of people did. Um, so I would I would guess though that probably the only person that wouldn't be involved would be Steven Adler. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Just for everything he's been through. And so, but period. they're not on good terms with Sorum right now, are they? I don't think so. No, I don't I don't think so. So I would assume they would probably just keep the guy and I <laughs> hate to say it, uh, I don't know his I don't remember his name. <laughs> guy who's been playing with him the last few years. Uh, I think it's Frank something. Um uh you know, Frank. Um <laughs> I uh I, I would assume they would just go with him because he knows the tunes. Um, if, unless, unless, you know, they can, they can bring Sorum on board as well, but I, the, I don't think, I don't think it's going to like bring down demand that much. Yeah, have no. somebody like, yeah. like whoever on drums. You One know? of the most interesting confirmations of it was, did you hear Scott Weiland? Like he, he, he was one of the people that confirmed it. Cause somebody like they were talking to him in an interview and they said something about guns and roses. And he's like, I'm pretty sure those guys are getting back together. I'm going to take anything that guy says with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, of, a grain of brown tar colored salt. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Levi, I'm, I'm going to question the source on that one. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah um, I, I could be wrong, but so, uh, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Scott. I just don't know if I would believe everything he said. Do you think it yeah. more likely that maybe they just do a one-off at like the whiskey or they do an entire, they get through an entire arena tour? The entire arena tour, like, yeah, like don't, don't well, bet your life savings on yeah. them, like pulling they, it off. And, and supposedly they were starting like somewhere else is what I heard. The first show was going to be in another country. Bismarck. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think Levi's right. I think, 
you know, they would do some of those big European films oh, to yeah. start out, you know, yeah. kind of as the test. They were always big in Rio de Janeiro. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, and then all those, like, you know, I don't know all their names, like, you know, Bloodstock and Hellfest, all those all those festivals that are, like, in big open fields in Sweden and stuff that draw, like, 100,000 people. Like, they would be headlining some of those. I It'd would be fun ask. to just, like, quit our jobs for a while and follow that. Yeah. Go on a European tour festival. I would not quit yeah. my job for <laughs> the roll of the dice that would be a Guns N' Roses tour. It's like you know, four shows in, it's over. It might be four songs in, and it's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Can you well, imagine I, the tense weight being out there for that first show and yeah. just wondering, like, because you know, like, they'll come out one by one, right? Right. And then Axel will be the last one, and you know it's going to be like two or three minutes. Before he comes out. And, and you know, he's going to come out like two or three hours after the time oh, on your ticket. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah, yeah. yeah. The closest yeah. I've ever come to that was Velvet Revolver at the Illinois State Fair. It was like, are they really playing the Illinois State Fair? Really? Like, I know there's some band stuff on stage right now. There's like, you know, 10,000 of us waiting. We're all in there. We got onto the dirt track. Like an hour goes by, nothing. And then they had a backdrop that was the name. Like all in lights, so they start flashing it. Velvet, revolver, velvet, revolver. Twenty minutes they did this, <laughs> so the crowd is just getting like, like yeah, and boom, they all came out, and it was it was a great show. But yeah, it was like, are is this real? Is this show gonna actually happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh. they, they would have been fun live. I never got to see them. I I, I have to admit, I I didn't really think the material was that strong like I, I thought the albums were just those two albums were just kind of ho-hum um but but yeah i would definitely uh i i i, res- I like stones of violets and i like guns and roses so so yeah um so yeah I, if you know if izzy's not involved i wouldn't be as excited you know like that's what i'm just, hoping the best yeah. thing that could come from this is somehow he gets funded to re-release that Juju Hounds, that first record on vinyl. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's like what I'm hoping comes out of all of this. If, if yeah, if the tour is canceled and that that happens, yeah, because that album would sound really good on vinyl. Um, yeah, so I don't know because Izzy was always the one that was, you know, he shit, he left at the height of their popularity. You know, he's just like this. He didn't like how big it had become, but I don't know. Fast forward twenty, almost you know, over twenty years and. Yeah, you know, th- with th- with paychecks like that, probably staring you in the face. I would imagine like you would probably set aside any 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 uh, any apprehension that you may have had twenty years ago. Well, and, and the thing, yeah, like and totally right now is that time when a lot of the artists from that era, the residual checks are probably getting smaller and smaller, yeah, and becoming less and less frequently. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well fuck maybe we should get back together yeah i mean they you know they could you know one of those european festivals they get a million bucks for it yeah you know? the first I show mean, they're guaranteed over a million dollars yeah i mean yeah and the tour would you know would be here when they came back to the states would be huge all arenas you know um so yeah i'm i'll be there if it happens i'll, I'll buy a ticket you know i mean yeah. it's, it's particularly obviously izzy there's the Izzy Claws for me. Um, <laughs> but, Izzy um, Claws. It's the season of Izzy Claws. Yes. Um, I think they should uh, have like a We're Sorry reunion show at Riverport. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's the GNR thing. We'll see how that pans out. Like I said, the the rumors were it was a lot of them were coming in there, and it's kind of cooled off now. Um, and then another tour that's kind of intriguing. Um, not that this is really that unlikely of a pairing because these bands kind of have a little bit of a history, but um, Tool and Primus announced uh, uh, a winter tour, playing some dates in January. Uh, looks like they, I don't know, looks like about 10 or 12 shows. Uh, yeah, not, like not a ton. Yeah, right. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If like this came to Chicago, I if the ticket wasn't too expensive, maybe I would go. Well, and that's what um, I'm thinking they're doing is maybe doing like a little bit of a test the water 12 yeah. date kind of a thing, see how it sells. Yeah. Because Chicago wasn't on there, was it? No. No, they it's did. kind of some it's some smaller markets. It's, yeah. it's some shows in the south um and southwest, I think. Um I'd have to look. But yeah, it wasn't uh you know, they like they weren't playing Chicago, they weren't playing New York City, they weren't playing Boston, you know, they weren't playing some big markets. No Colorado. Uh, Shows. Right, right. So, um, yeah, this is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because I've I've seen Tool live, and it was kind of disappointing because basically he Maynard stood behind a speaker the whole time they were playing. When we <laughs> saw them, Levi. Oh yeah, at, at Bonnaroo. It, it was um, like so, a screen or something. You could see yeah. like half of his shadow. It yeah, was... he just and and if you go online, that's. Over the last couple tours, that's kind of what he does. Um, so, I, and and then I read an interview um, a week or two ago because they they played on Halloween. You guys, you know, may have seen the footage where they dressed up as Zeppelin, yeah, right, and they didn't know quarter, and it sounded great, um, yeah, uh, full costume and everything. But he, Maynard gave an interview um, with one of the, like a Phoenix newspaper, and he said that like. He only did that show because the other guys in the band begged him. Um, so it kind of makes me, I don't know, sometimes maybe like you just want to help out your friends. So you go on tour, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, um, and I think that was that's kind of been the Who's relationship for a long time. Right. Yeah. Pete yeah. Townsend and Roger Daltrey's relationship. Yeah. I had I had heard that, like, you know, when critically acclaimed, great band, when Pavement, got back together a couple yeah. of years ago you said pavement pavement yeah mm-hmm. um malcolmus i think and you know i i don't have the source in front of me said that you know he did it because the other guys in the band like really needed it needed it you know um which there's nothing wrong i mean if you help out your you know so be it you know people do we all have bills to pay it's odd that you would say that out loud yeah i yeah. assume that's kind of against the code yeah right <laughs> Um, and like like Maynard said it, and then like I said, Malcolm. It's hard Malcolm to say. Al- Malcolm has alluded to it. I don't. Don't quote me. I I need to. I would need to verify the source there's, there. There's no way of about. saying anything like that and not coming off like an asshole. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the benefit? How 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 would you look good saying something like that? Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. So Maynard said it. Uh, Malcolmus, I'd have to verify, but I thought I recalled something like that. But anyway, so he's got they got Primus. I don't know if it's um, Primus is. It looks like it's a double bill. I think. Um, so that would be fun. Uh, I think, but I just don't know what to get with a tool show. And also, for them, um, a couple of complaints I have. They never changed their set list. Um, 
because I do really like their albums. I like all their records. Um, so I want to hear more of the catalog. And also, like, I feel like they kind of, even though they don't sound like them, they kind of draw like some of the same people that like Limp Biscuit and and <laughs> there's you know a fringe I mean? crowd. Yeah, there's a yeah, fringe like, ICP fans maybe. Yeah, like you'll have yeah. people I'm not trying to sound stupid, people like us at a tool show or people that have but you'll also have like that kind of new metal. They're the, they're the government too. mule of of metal. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, they draw all drawing from all directions. They do. They do. Yeah, so um, it, it's it's a nice double bill. It's enticing when you see it. I don't know if the 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 the, uh, the result would be as as would would meet my expectations or so so yeah so nice little winter. You don't get a lot of January like arena tours. No, so, um, no, it's kind of the dead season. And that's what may, yeah. and part of it is in the south. So I thought maybe you know they're playing warm shows, and then if it like if it sold all right, they might do like a spring leg. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It is a quick turn to announce those days and that and they're just two months away. That's right. Right. Well, yeah. and a lot of fans were saying that online, like how are the, how's tool shows are so intricate in the lighting and everything. How are they gonna get that done in two months? And we'll see. All yeah. Right. Yeah. I've never I've never worried about how my band's gonna get the lighting done. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like, how are they going to get their stage? I'd just be more worried about my fucking airfare than yeah. anything. <laughs> it's a big tour. I'm sure they've got some pros working. They got to make new stuff, screens so. to hide behind. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't. Know, maybe somebody can enlighten us a yes. bit on that. Yeah. Heavy tool aficionados. So. Uh, like so said, anyway, I had a friend who saw them, like on I guess one of their first tours ever. And he said Maynard wore like a tutu or a skirt and was like, like Eddie Vedder, like bouncing off the walls, climbing on stuff, going crazy. And so yeah. when he went to Bonnaroo, and yeah, fast that's forward, what, that's what years. they did. Yeah, that's yeah. what they did. My friend was like, "Is this even the same band?" Like he he yeah. he, he couldn't hmm. believe it. Yeah, um, and they, they've they've always been kind of a. Um, sort of uh a, kind of a mysterious you know sort of they only pop up it seems like every seven or eight years you know what right. i mean just yeah so they're kind of metals mystery men i guess i don't know <laughs> um the radio head of metal if you will um <laughs> as far as as that goes but anyway um you know tonight we want to share with you want to get right to this actually because this is important stuff um a friend of ours uh, and a great musician, Edward David Anderson. We were lucky enough uh, last week to to have an interview with Ed. He uh, he called in, uh, and it was really nice catching up with him. Uh, if you're not familiar, Ed uh, was in a uh, a project called Backyard Tire Fire that uh, that he'll tell you more about and toured around the country. And he's got a great couple couple solo records out now. Um, uh, he's been working with uh, some talented folks as well down in Alabama. Uh, so Edward David Anderson, um, we're going to go ahead and share the interview with him. He's a baseball fan, smart guy. Uh, is going to talk about his music as well as what he's been up to. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and turn it over to this interview with Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. We've got a very special guest tonight. Um, 
great musician Edward David Anderson is here. Ed, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you, sir? Excellent, excellent. Good to good to catch up with you. Um, give yeah. everybody a little bit of context. Ed and I, I've, I've been listening. I won't say the exact dates, but I've been listening to Ed for quite. <laughs> So uh, uh, we 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 harken back to the to the late '90s in Central Illinois. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> talking to you, man. Just to give everybody a little bit of background, um, Ed David Anderson, Edward David Anderson. A lot of our listeners are probably fans of him, but um, he is a singer songwriter and um, who has a new record out, um, the uh, the Loxley Sessions. Uh, uh, record was that was recorded down in Alabama, Ed. Yeah, just okay. uh, I guess I'm about 45 minutes or an hour from where we are. There's a, a small town called Loxley, Alabama. It's uh, um, kind of up near uh, Mobile Bay. Um, from, we're down here by the Gulf, but it's a little bit north of here in real rural, middle of the woods. Um, and, uh, yeah, I worked with this, this guy named Anthony Crawford on it. Uh, he uh, has a hell of a resume, and uh, he's done a lot of things with Neil Young and Steve Winwood and kind of happened upon this guy down here and, and became friends and yeah so we knocked out a record last winter and i think we're going to try to do another one this this winter too awesome well it sounds great man and uh obviously it's it's getting a lot of well-deserved praise um recently featured on npr's world cafe and uh some good uh some good uh some good press as well from no depression and relics magazine no depression called it a simply infectious album and relics magazine called it a low-key stunner and if you look at everybody i think you'll certainly agree so ed um if you could just give everybody can you kind of just give us an edward david anderson 101 man just uh, sure sure kind of you know introduction to playing music maybe some previous bands that you had and and maybe some of your influences too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, maybe like I would say in the mid '90s, um, I started writing tunes. Um, I had been playing guitar for a handful of years, and uh, eventually, uh, I kind of worked my way down to uh, graduate school at Illinois State University, uh, and started a band there called Brother Jed when I was working on my master's degree and. Um, uh, that band hung around for about five years, and, and when I finished school, uh, we had a little record deal, and they bought us a vehicle, and uh, I started touring, and really I haven't stopped touring and, and, and writing and playing and recording and running around uh, the country since then. So uh, I had a band called Backyard Tire Fire that uh, had a, a 10-year run and, and put out a bunch of records and, and did a bunch of cool tours with uh you know, all kinds of uh, amazing bands, everybody from Los Lobos to, you know, Reverend Horton Heat to Cracker to Government Mule. You know, we, we did some, some fun tours all over this country and through a couple others as well. So um had a good run, and then eventually that kind of, um, I guess, ran its course, and, and uh <laughs> Uh, I, I started out on my own here and, and, and became, uh, took my, the name that my, my parents gave me the day I was born and decided to try to do a solo thing, which I had never anticipated doing. I always liked being in bands, but, um, uh, so I put my name out there and, and this is my second solo record. Uh, the first was produced by Steve Berlin, the Los Lobos, uh, who was a friend. And then this one, like I said, was done with Anthony Crawford down here in lower Alabama and it has a, it has that flavor. It has a feel of how things kind of work and move down here. And, and um, 
I'm very proud of it. And yeah, it's it's cool. I'm glad you dig it, and it has been getting some nice press, and it's it's nice to feel a little push every now and again. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's cool. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. good company, man. Um, yeah. Now, have you? Um, I I haven't seen you tour on this record, Ed. Are, are you? Is it just you, or do you have some other guys playing with you too? Yeah. Well, I had Anthony, the guy that produced it. He plays almost everything on the record. Uh-huh. Um, I had him come up and do a bunch of shows with me up in the Midwest, and then we just we done. Uh, we were gonna. We had a couple down here, and one of them got rained out. Unfortunately, it's a great outdoor gig that that, that happens on a weekly basis down here, but. The weather can turn quickly down here, but um, we did we did a, a release show down here as well in a, in a club, um, and then we did a handful up north. We did Nashville and um, St. Louis and my hometown Bloomington and Chicago, and we did a house concert. And um, so yeah, we did a you know, handful of duo dates, and it's great because he plays fiddle and pedal steel and um, a bunch of things that I can't play. So <laughs> uh, and and he sings. Really, really nice harmony as well. So that's how he got the gig with Neil Young was his vocal. He said Neil Young heard him singing back up on a Tanya Tucker record in the <laughs> early 80s. He was, well, yeah, he was, this is Levi. Uh, Anthony Crawford, yeah, his resume is awesome. Everything from yeah. Rodney Crowell to... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just everybody. He was he was in a lot of places. Yeah, he's what? done a lot of things. I mean, he has a song on the new Dwight Yoakam record. One of the tunes that I'm at is one of his. His that was cut is one of his songs. So yeah, he's still and he's in a band called Willie Sugar Caps down here with a guy named Will Kimbrough and some other. Mm-hmm. Will Kimbrough was on the Lou Harris's guitar player for a while. Will plays on my record as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's kept great company and, and um, he, you know, he's just a very musical human being. So uh, the show is playing with him. We're fantastic having all that that arsenal of instruments and then obviously the vocals as well. I'm going out on the road here in just, a, uh, I guess, a couple of days um, with a guy named Tab Benoit, and I'll be doing just my solo, you know, kick drum, cigar box, guitar, banjo, guitar, you know, that kind of stuff um, for like a couple of weeks. And then um, later in the winter, I go on tour with, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band of Heathens. Um, my friend, Ed Jurdy from the band Heathens and I and another friend of mine, Seth Walker, do a tour called, tour called Circle of the Song. And that's uh, the three of us kind of sitting in a semicircle just swapping tunes and stories and singing and playing each other's material. And uh, that's a really fun little tour as well. So I'm, I'm touring solo. I've done some duo stuff with Anthony and got this, this trio kind of uh, songwriter in the round tour that I do. Um, and then I sit in with a bunch of things that happen down here in, in Alabama to keep my chops up. And, um, so, I, you know, a number of different things. And then I'm always kind of working on new material and then also try to record, you know, quite a bit. Like I try to stay busy with the, with the material and the recording and stuff. I always like to be working on, on something. So, um, now, yeah. uh, recording in Loxley down there and, you know, it sounds like you kind of, sort of the surrounded by a cool community down there. Did some of that feed into the record, Ed? Like, you know, um, just the the feel of the record sort of. It, oh, yeah. Better term, it Completely. kind of southern feel, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's I assume some of that probably trickled into the record. Yeah, you, you, you're you right. That assessment is, is, is spot on, Gabe. Um, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a song on the record called Silver Hill. Uh, that's a town down here in 
I talked about that concert that got rained out, the outdoor house concert thing that got rained out last weekend. It takes place in Silver Hill. It's called the Frog Pond at the Blue Moon Farm. Um, and they have, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to 300 people every Sunday that go out there and pay a good, you know, price to kind of be a part of this Sunday social and the people bring food and, um, you know, there's kind of a potluck and then they get writers from all over the place. Um, and it's just a really, really cool gig. Um, anyway, that, that happens in Silver Hill and that's what I'm talking about. That song is the Blue Moon Farm and, um, there's all kinds of stuff like that that kind of seep into the record and it seeps in there and, and, and certainly, um, you know, just the whole overall kind of vibe and feel is, is a little bit more slow and, and laid back down here. And I think that that definitely comes, uh, through with the, the overall vibe of the record for sure. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the record has like almost a, a little parts of a traditional country feel, like a really well-produced traditional country feel. And I mean, was that Anthony's doing? Yeah. I mean, I think that when I hear like, uh, like a friend of mine was like, I'd really love to hear Willie Nelson sing one at a time. And, and I, you know, like I took that as a huge compliment because when I hear yeah, that, that I wrote the tune and, you know, had a, had an idea for how I wanted it to take place, but, or how I wanted it to, um, you know, kind of come across, but, same time, and yeah, when Anthony got his hands on it with the pedal steel and the fiddle, and yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. It's very well produced. He's he's one of those guys that can kind of um, just knows where to play. You know, he doesn't play a lot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like it, the, oh, yeah. the, it's well produced, but part of what makes it, I think, for, for me, is that um, well, I guess there are different de- definitions of what well produced are, and, and a song like that, you kind of want it to have feel like um i don't know like it's it doesn't it's not overproduced you know what i'm saying oh, yeah like, yeah, record, I, yeah i didn't there's mean a slick by anything yeah 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 there's a there's exactly and i think I, I get where you're coming from i think what you're saying is there's a certain kind of looseness yeah that makes absolutely. it feel real and really in good country music you're going for what you're going for is something that feels real and um i think that that you hit the nail right on the head and that it is well produced in that regard as he just kind of lets it happen. He doesn't overplay and it does feel real and there's kind of pushes and pulls and the tempo's not perfect and, um, you know, the vocals aren't so lined up that you can't hear each one, you know, like, yeah. um, yeah, there's a looseness to it that really kind of, I think, gives it that kind of charm and that's what makes it a kind of feel like a, a good country song because it feels real. So yeah, I mean, I mean Anthony's, uh, got a great ear and he knows what to play and what where where to play and and more importantly what not to play and where not to play right um, oh, yeah. yeah he's got a good good feel for space and, and yeah his ears fantastic one of the guys ed that you you've collaborated with a little bit over the last few years played some gigs is johnny hickman of cracker um, oh yeah i had I, I, I unfortunately i haven't been able to catch any of those but how, how did you hook up with johnny uh you know tire fire was doing some tours and stuff and with some bigger bands and that was one of them and um we just kind of hit it off he likes my songs we had a record out at the time called vagabonds and hooligans mm-hmm. which he was kind of smitten with i guess and um was was dropping name dropping its name in the press and interviews and stuff talking about that record and tire fire and we just started getting along and just and, uh kind of always talked about like you know 
trying to collaborate and do something together or whatever. You know, we just sit around and bullshit after shows or before gigs or whatever. And, and um, I think it was, you know, probably just a little before I actually made a record, the, the Lies and Wishes record with Steve from Lobos, um, Johnny and I went out on a little tour together. It was like my first kind of getting back out on the road again, post tire fire and getting through some, you know, some heavy stuff where you know, my wife's mother passed away. And then a year later, my mother passed away. And my condolences. I, we, it was a real tough time. And, and Johnny and I went out on the road. Um, he kind of, he kind of lit a fire under my ass a little bit, you know, like I kind of, he inspired me and we just did some duo shows running so you know not big rooms small little places and here's a guy that's you know co-written some hits and uh done a lot of stuff who you know wanted to come out and play some shows with me in little rooms I, I just it was inspiring you know so i just um you know from that that tour it kind of led to the next thing for me which i needed to make a record and so I made that Lies and Wishes record shortly after Johnny and I did that first tour. We've done a few of them together, um, but that first one inspired me to make, you know, my first solo album, Lies. And um, shortly after Lies and Wishes was was actually released, is when um, you know Anthony asked me to come out to the farm. So I, I, it was kind of crazy to start working on another record so quickly after Lies and Wishes came out. But I felt like I needed to capture the moment down here and, and not let it slip away. I also didn't really plan on making a record. I just wanted to go out there and hang out with him on his property in the middle of 2,400 acres of, of uh, tall pine trees and and learn something to hear the stories. And um, you know, I recorded a bunch of songs, vocals, and guitar, and left and came back and you know, pretty much he had done what you're hearing on the record. I heard it and I was like, this sounds like an album to me. I mean. It's pretty quick to put it out right after Lives and Wishes, but you know, I think it was a good good move to kind of follow quickly with something else that's um, you know made it a little bit easier to define. Um, I feel like this record is you know it's an Americana record. It sounds like a patchwork of uh, American music. You know, there's rock and roll, there's there's jazz, or not jazz. There's bluegrass, there's blues, there's um, you know, there's a lot of different cool um, elements of American music on this record. and I think it was good for me to kind of follow up quickly and, and put up something that's fairly defined and maybe a little easier to grab on to than Lies and Wishes. I do love the Lies and Wishes record, but yeah, yeah, I do like this one too. This one's a little bit like I said, like you, you know, what you were saying is a little looser. Um, I think it has like a little bit more of a real feel. You know, switch to baseball for a second. It'd be pretty elated for the last you know couple months with. Uh with the Cubs uh, going so far, uh, what was it? I mean, were you down in Alabama during the, uh, during the playoff run? No, actually I would have, I mean, had they kept going in that, in the, in the next series, I would have been down here, which would have been strange. Um, actually my Chicago show, if they would have kept going in, in the New York series, game six would have been against my Chicago release show. Which, okay. So I was in this very strange position where I, you know, this show that I really wanted to do well and didn't want any outside distractions and didn't want, you know, certainly didn't want the Cubs to be in like game six facing elimination, <laughs> like on the night, like that I was releasing the record of Anthony Crawford, you know, accompanying me. Um, 
so strange. Like, I kind of felt like once they were, you know, down 3-0, I was like, well, just get it over with and don't, definitely don't go to game six, win, and then ruin my night and then lose in game seven because then I would lose the show <laughs> and the series. Um, so it was a really strange, like, uh, like I was being pulled in a couple different directions there. But the Mets made it easy on me and, and um, uh, just kind of, you know, put us out of our misery pretty quick there at least, I guess. But, um, I, and I wanted to see him put up a fight. I and mean, obviously, the, the, you know, the, the, the diehard Cubs fan in me didn't like to see him go down so easily. Yeah. Had I not had that show, you know, obviously it would have been, <laughs> would have been feeling a little different, but, um, it was what it was. I, I felt like, you know, under the circumstances, they had done a lot more than I anticipated or anybody really did. And I felt like it was a really good building block. Like, I feel like, and I'll sound like the ultimate optimist Cub fan here, but I feel like the experience will help them infinitely in the next, you know, two, three years. I've said it. I've said it already in interviews. I feel like we we could see kind of a, a run here by them where, you know, like the Red Sox, you know, won a couple there in a couple of years or whatever. I think that there's enough talent and there's money, obviously, and a rabid fan base and a desire to win. Right. Um, and they've built it in the, in the farm system, and obviously they can spend a little bit of dough um, to, to bring it to free agents. That's a dangerous team right there, man. I mean, not just for like, you know, for a few handful of years to come. Like, I want to see it, you know, like, I want to see it not only win one, but like more than one. And that sounds crazy. To, you know, <laughs> they haven't even won one in a hundred years, so I think they can win more than one. No reason to not be optimistic as a Cubs fan. That's. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm 43 years old. I've been rooting for these guys since I can remember. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. I think it, that's another thing with the Cubs and people can, you know, how the hell are you a Cubs? You know, it's, and, you know, I, I said something uh, on the microphone at my St. Louis gig about being a Cubs fan. It was funny. Whoever's well, working the light bulb, I have to get props because they cut the lights within like a half a second of me saying the word Cubs. <laughs> put, put me in the dark on the stage. But, um, Oh, yeah, it, it, it's you know you, you, it's called loyalty is what it says. It's called loyalty, people. Um, and it, you know there's something to be said. I mean, it, it almost a, it's a, like a life lesson to learn. You don't always get what you want. Can you can you still stick with it? You know, and, and that's life, really. So um, you know, I've learned that lesson from that team um, from just being a little kid up until now. <laughs> It's certainly something that I've been obsessing over for, you know, decades and I've never gotten. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's that elusive. So whatever, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to learn that you don't always uh, get what you want. And, and patience, you know, you have to stay patient. But I think that I, I, you know, I didn't expect this to, 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 to go as far as it would go. I didn't like seeing him lay down, um, in New York because like you said, I did get a little caught up in the St. Louis hype, you know, once you get past that, then you start thinking, holy shit, is this happening? Could this happen? Yeah. You can't help it. Oh, yeah, You no. can't help it. I, I, bought a, I bought an NLCS shirt, like, online, right? If we, <laughs> like, after we won, I was like, fuck yes, NLCS! <laughs> I know. It's tough. Um, you know, and I got a little cut up in it, but not huge. And, again, part of this had to do with that I had huge shows, and I was playing the Bluebird in Nashville with a couple of heroes of mine, and I was the night that they, I, don't know, I think it was the night that they lost. Yeah, the night that they got swept, 
I played like one of my favorite gigs that I've ever played in my entire career in Nashville. So it was like, it took the sting out of it. Um, again, I wasn't, I didn't, I go back, you go back into the season. I didn't expect them to even get as far as they did. Um, thank God I had the good gig to take my mind off of it. I didn't even hear the game. I didn't listen to it. I didn't see any of it. I had a great gig. So, um, you know, it's probably, I probably sound, you know, different situation. If I don't have any of those gigs or the record release, take my mind off of this and I'm obsessing over it. This interview would probably be a little bit different and my outlook wouldn't be the same. I had these glorious gigs taking my mind off the fact that they were getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. I mean, the, the foundation has been laid for a pretty, uh, a pretty, a pretty good run, I think, over the next few years for the Cubs. So uh, I, I agree. There's nobody. There's only one Joe. I have like a bromance with Joe Madden. He is. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a cooler motherfucker on the planet? I'm pleased where I'm sorry if I if I I mean this that guy is, is is a stud. Here's a good story, you guys will like this. Um the story goes that Theo and Jed came down and met Joe Madden in Pensacola, Florida, and courted him and they sat outside of Joe's cousin Eddie R V, which he calls his R V cousin Eddie. <laughs> and in Pensacola Pensacola Beach actually. And it's actually, the park is right next to a bar that I play <laughs> called the Paradise Inn. So Joe Madden and the fate of, of the Chicago Cubs was decided just a matter of feet from a stage that, <laughs> that I regularly play in Pensacola Beach, um, you know, just a, a few, a couple of winters ago, or, 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 or I guess a couple of winters ago, or maybe a winter ago. Yeah, I guess a winter ago. Yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah. So I was in that park like a couple weeks before that, hanging out. <laughs> and then Madden comes through and Theo and Jed sweep him off his feet. And here we are with the best manager in baseball. Joe, you know what Joe Madden's real name is? It's Joe Maddenini. Joe Madden is the son of a plumber, just like myself. He grew up in his dad's plumbing shop above, <laughs> or above his dad's plumbing shop in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. But uh, I love that he's the son of a plumber. He's just a cool cat, man. He knows how to get guys to play for him. He yeah, does. Okay. He's just a very, very, very laid. And he really is. He's a stud. Uh, I would love to have a beer in the shop with Joe Madden. Oh, yeah. You know, like that would be, to me, that would be about as cool as it gets. Um, and just talk baseball with that guy or anything. He's a huge music guy, too. You know? our, our, our last question for you, Ed. Um, it's right. Anderson's first big league plate appearance, right? What would be your walk up music? <laughs> wow, that's tough. Um, can't you hear me knocking Rolling Stones? Very good choice. Wow, <laughs> wow, prescient. Just nice. that lick, that Keith riff, walking up to the plate. I mean, come on, how much cooler could that could you be than that? Oh yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, some of these crazy, these crazy kids with their music choices and they walk up, but I, I'll go, I'll go with the uh, Stones. Can't you hear me knocking? Ed, thanks so much for doing this, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, we really dig your music. Um, I have for many years. Um, to all of our listeners out there, you can find more about Ed's music and as well as tour dates at uh, edwarddavidanderson.com. And please check out his new record, Lower Alabama, the Loxley Sessions, which is available on his website, as well as iTunes and probably many other places online, I assume. So uh, uh, absolutely. Ed, keep up the great work, man. It was really good talking to you. Hey, it was my pleasure, guys. Thanks for the phone call. Go Cubs.
Hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview with our friend Edward David Anderson, uh, such a talented cat, and we're lucky to know him and lucky to have him on the show. If you want to learn more about Ed's music and the tour dates, uh, check out edwarddavidanderson.com, as well as pick up his new record, um, The Loxley Sessions, uh, Lower Alabama, The Loxley Sessions. Really good stuff. And uh, go check him out on the road when he comes near your town, too. So thank you, Ed, for being on the show. I want to go ahead and move right into kind of tonight. What we're going to do, folks, is a little bit of an off-season preview. Um, you know, the hot stove, there a couple transactions have been made. Um, nothing really, you know, aside from the Craig Kimbrell trade uh, a couple days ago to Boston, nothing really major has happened yet. You know, none of the free agents are off the board. So this is kind of a preview. All right. I was doing the Kimbrell. Uh, Oh, doing the Kim. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Walk like a Kimbrel. I love that. Yeah, that delivery's great. Um, yeah, it took me a second there. Sorry. Um, It'll take people on the radio a second too. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so anyway, that's the only move. Kimbrel's going to be doing that movement in Boston next year. Um, that's really the only big move that's been made. Um, so we're going to go ahead and give a little bit of a preview tonight, talk about all three of our teams and their position in the off season. Um, so I am going to, let me just preface this. The White Sox are probably not going to be major players in the off season this year. Like they were last year. They were probably the American league team last year that made the most noise and you know, it didn't really pan out. Um, and so I think, you know, they will be, a, they'll be quieter. This, this other song. than the sale for Puig, yeah, right. Other trade than the, that is imminent. Other than the Buster sale. only confirms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll talk a little bit more about that. You know, maybe during our next episode because I I do think trading Chris Sale is really the best thing that this franchise can do right now. And I know that that's that might be seen as a little bit of a white flag for some people, but so what? Um, you know, we're not getting any better with this roster we have right now. Particularly our, you know, our infield's terrible. Um, you know, we've got a lot of rookies that show some promising defense, but they, I don't really think they're going to be hitters, big league hitters. Um, you know, we declined the option on Alexei Ramirez, who has been inconsistent. Um, so, yeah, you know, we need a whole new infield. And you're not going to get that in one off season. So what do you do is you trade one of the best pitchers in baseball to get just uh, the cream of the crop for a team's of a team's prospects. Well, and hey, yeah, go ahead, Levi. I'm sorry. I, I not to interrupt, but I, I agree with you. I I don't think you if you if I was a Sox fan, I would not look at it as kind of rolling over. I would look at it as like we're lucky enough to have yeah. that big of a trade ship right now. Right. Yeah, I got and one of the best we, pitchers in baseball, you and know? we should use it to cash it in and get some get some prospects or get some something. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's an ace. He's he's Randy Johnson on a shitty team, man. You know, I mean, that's what he is. Um, that's what I'd compare him to right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And with, you know, with Carlos Rodon, I think showing some promise during his rookie year, I'm comfortable with him, maybe moving him up a notch, you know, and. Uh, Jose Quintana is another guy that we've got that is is solid. His name's actually coming up in Jose some, Quintana. Some trade rumors, yeah. He's underrated pitcher, man. Um, so I uh, now's the time, you know. I mean, he seems like a trade deadline move, though. 
for some reason to me. He doesn't seem like an off-season trade. He seems maybe, like a trade maybe, deadline. Yeah, and he, he people might be more desperate than. Oh uh, yeah, you might be able to catch. Yeah, you get max, yeah, I, yeah, you, you get might more, cash in better, maximize. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. you're right there. He might be more of a of a July move. Um, plus, he's got a very team friendly contract. So that makes him even more attractive. You know, yeah. it's not like yeah. it's not like we got to unload fifty million dollars with him or something like yeah. that. You know, I mean, yeah. he's uh, he, you know, he's it's a very it's probably one of baseball's most team friendly contracts. Well, and I, we're kind of in like a renaissance era of team friendly contracts. The Cubs yeah. have quite a few of them. Sign them young, man. You know, they get in, they have like half of a year or a year of, of good ball, and then you you lock them up. You Salvador know? Perez for the Royals. Salvador Perez yeah. but, um, kind of started with, uh, it's been about seven, eight years ago, Longoria in Tampa Bay. You're right, yeah. Did. yeah. Right when he got good, they're like, yeah. bam, here's an eight-year deal. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, you know, who's going to complain about making six, seven million dollars a year? Or, you yeah. know? It seems uh, like he's playing down to that contract, so. Yeah, right, right, he has, but... <laughs> You know he's 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 still paid you know fairly handsomely and um you know it, that's what sale did you know you just the money's at you you just they, they hand it to you right away it's yeah. not it's not as lucrative as you get if you waited a few years but you know you'll get it you know it's guaranteed money and mm-hmm. there you go even if you get injured you know you still get pretty decent check so so anyway that's you know that's basically my white Sox offseason in a nutshell trade chris sale <laughs> get, get, get us some I want the next Chris Bryan. I want the next Lorenzo Cain. I, I, you know, I want the next Salvador Perez. I want, you know, whoever. I just, I just, I don't feel comfortable um, going forward really with what we have. I'm, I can tolerate sucking for two years if that's what it takes. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I can handle that as long as we lay the foundation for, you know, I want a good three-year run after that. You know. So, anyway. Um, so that's how I feel. Uh, so I have two questions about your teams because I think both of your teams coming off, obviously, very successful seasons are going to be much more in the news than mine. Um, so I'll start with Jonathan. OK, you obviously brought in Johnny Cueto and he did what he was supposed to do. It he took shimmied. a little while. Yes. Yeah, it took a little bit. But in the playoffs, he did what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's not coming back. No. Um, so who replaces him? I mean, I, I look at that rotation and it's like, well, like Chris Young kind of had a. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I mean, like, but isn't he like 35 or something like that? I, I, yeah, it did check his birth certificate. He might be 38. Um uh, but uh, no, I, I don't think you, you do. I mean, they, they were in first place when they got Cueto, right? So that's something to keep in mind. So, sure. um, and at points they won in spite of him, but he did deliver a couple couple big games for him there in the playoffs. Yep. Um, so it, I don't think they replace him so much as uh, uh, augment his loss. I guess. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't think they're going to collapse without the guy. Or no, 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 no. Like so. That. It's going to be Volquez. how you fill the hole, you know? Yeah, so it'll be Edinson, Volquez, uh, Ventura, Medlin probably will earn a spot in, in the rotation like he did late in the year, even though he didn't start in the playoffs. Uh, Danny Duffy will likely try to earn a spot in the rotation. And then from there, uh, you do need that fifth starter. Uh, you know, they, they've got a couple young arms like most teams do. Kyle Zimmer. Uh, who I, th- I believe was the number one pick for them. 
but when it comes to free agents, they've been they've been tied to uh, Giovanni Gallardo. Oh really? Uh, they apparently they tried to get him during the um, trade deadline. I'm and I've got a lot of my information here off of uh, Pine Tar Press and David Lesky's column on there. Um, a lot of a lot of those you mentioned Gallardo. Um, a lot of those a lot of pitchers available this off season. Like the quality kind of starts to go down, yeah. like after Cueto, you know, after yeah. like Price, Grinky, and Cueto. Yeah, um, there's a ton of there's a ton of like Yin Chin number three type yeah. guys available. Yeah. You know, Y yeah. uh, and Chin is another one from the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Leake. Uh, yeah. Mike Leake is another one that you know the Royals supposedly wanted in the draft to be able to to draft him. Ian Kennedy. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's yeah. Names so, out there. um, you know, it would be. To to bring a guy like Chris Young back, I think would be would be prudent. Yeah, because um, uh, he could stand up and 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 probably uh, both fill in as a starter and in the bullpen. Uh, and so it feels like yeah, Volquez, Ventura, Medlin, Duffy, and then uh, it, it it's anybody's guess after that. Uh, it, it you know it'll be a Royals low key splash when it comes to starting pitching. Uh, and, and really, last year when they got Edson Volquez and and took a chance on Chris Medlin, uh, those paid off. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, the Royals had a lot of veteran signings that paid Morales <laughs> that yeah. paid off last year. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's you know they so you don't see them doing anything crazy, right? I mean, you don't you don't you don't see no. them going after like. No. Unless you know, one of Price or Grinky or unless, yeah, unless this the whole Grinky conspiracy, why did he opt out? Sort of deal is <laughs> yeah. because he's going to resign for with Kansas City for like five years and fifty million. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, uh, but that would that would, I, I'm sure everybody here would welcome back Grinky uh, with open yeah. arms. And offense, you don't really need to make that many moves. So no, it's um, yeah, it's more about the defense when it comes sure. to. It's it's defense first, and then the offense is uh, just kind of a, 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 a um, uh, the other side of that coin, right? Uh, so it, it'll be interesting because you know they probably won't resign Ben Zobris, they probably won't sign, won't resign Alex Gordon, uh, and how they fill up those those outfield corners. Um, yeah, it could be uh, uh, they've been talking about Gerardo Parra and uh, Denard Span. Okay. Uh, as a couple, you know, you actually go, go back to starting pitching real quick. I'd like to see Lincecum on a one-year deal. Oh yeah, he is a free agent, yes. isn't he? Yes. Give me Lincecum on a one-year deal. He might even work in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, that would that would be that could be sneaky. He's kind of a project at this point for somebody, you know. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. you know the Royals are are good with pitching projects. So yeah. Um, uh, whether it be you know Wade Davis or. Um, uh, uh, or Chris Young. Yeah. So it looks like Gordon's probably not coming back. Yeah, they probably can't, yeah, they probably can't afford him, and they probably shouldn't want to afford him, quite honestly. They've probably got his best years out of him. Yeah. He's he's going to have a lot of suitors. I'd, I'd assume he's got half the league probably pursuing him just because of, you know, the just how, vers- how multi- faceted of a player he is you know um the fangraphs has an interesting webpage uh where they they estimate the value and they estimate him at five years and 18 million a year jesus yeah that's that'd be a good good payday for him that'd be a good payday and it's not it's not a kansas city royals payday 
Right. No. That's the thing. That's another thing, man. Even after coming off the World Series, you know, you guys would be bucking previous trends of the Royals really not spending money on, on free agents. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Which, I don't know, things could change. You want a World Series. But anyway. Um, okay, so the, with the World Series, transition to my second question, then we'll get over to the Cubs. Um, you've got this, this core of people, uh, Gordon being one of them that's on his way out, but you know, you've got this core of people that obviously I can imagine the city has kind of fallen in love with. Um, these are all position players, really. Uh, you know, Kane, Moose, Hosmer, Perez, Escobar. Um, how long can can you keep this core intact? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that started to come up uh, at the end of last year. Uh, at the end of this last year, uh, you know, Perez will probably, you know, he, he's he's good. He's signed up. Uh, there, there are questions about Hosmer. Uh, he'll, he'll, his, uh, he's going to get expensive. Yeah. Hosmer could get expensive. Kane could get expensive. Um, Moustakis, uh, and, and yeah, I, I mean, looking a couple years out, actually uh, another, um, post on Pine Tar Press by Kevin Scobie, uh, you know, he, he, he's like projecting out to 2017, 2018. And by 2018, you know, he, he's uh, he's pretty much just got Perez, Sal Perez, <laughs> as like the only current Royal starter still starting uh, just 16, 17, three seasons from now. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, but with your Donna Ventura uh, as well uh, as a starting pitcher. So, uh, yeah, a lot of these players could get pretty expensive pretty quick or maybe just overpriced really quick. You know, it was a guy like Hosmer who's hasn't quite blossomed into a team like the Royals. That's like, Oh, you'll be our first hundred million dollar contract. I don't right. think, you know, I, I don't think that he instills that kind Brad. of confidence yeah, in, him, right. uh, in the team. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it could, you know, be, be broken up pretty quickly, but Hey, that's why you have a farm system and uh, they are, they've already got a, they've already got a world series ring out of it. So, so yeah. uh, it takes a bit of the pressure off the front office, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're still basking in the glow of the world series. Yeah. It lasted for about uh, four days. Uh, and then Alex Gordon uh, opted out of his contract. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then the cold, harsh reality of free agency set in. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on to Levi then. Levi, I keep hearing um, on the Chicago media, the Cubs connected to David Price, right? Obviously, he, he played for Madden for several years. Yeah. And uh, so biggest, biggest, you guys might sign the biggest free agent of the offseason. Do you think, first of all, do you want him? And if it's not him, who, who do you want? I mean, in an ideal world, I think I'd rather have Granky. Yeah. Um, He's more dominant. Yeah, yeah, and because I think that would make the that's almost that's that's a patented Sylvester Stallone over the top move. I think that would <laughs> that would put the Cubs over the top. Yeah, I mean, granted, you know, it's not it's not it's not our money. You know what I mean? But yeah. still, to have two pitching contracts that huge. Oh, no, oh yeah, oh yeah. Shit. Would, I mean, with Lester for and for two starting pitchers over thirty. Oh yeah, uh, right. yeah. It, I mean, you, exactly. Yeah, let's think about age. Yeah, yeah and Grinky, granted Grinky, but Grinky's going to be a shorter deal. Anyway, I'm sorry. How old is Price? Price is 30. Price, Price is 30. Grinky's 32, I think. 
Yeah. Grinky's 32, right? But Grinky's not going to be probably like – he's he's not going to get like a seven-year deal or something, is he? No. I Grinky think, is yeah, projected at six years, $26 million per on Fangraphs.com. I, I would do like four at eight. If you yeah. take it. At what? <laughs> four at eight? Yeah. At eight million? It's not a charity, well, did, man. Didn't you just say he was getting what twenty six million oh, a year? Oh, twenty six. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said six. I was like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> eight million. Shit, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a twelve year deal. Yeah, right. Um No, dude, they're uh, yeah, what, I mean he's what gonna is get... Fangraphs project uh, price at, Jonathan. Seven years twenty eight million per See, I, yeah, I wouldn't want the Cubs to sign anybody again for seven years, I don't think. Um, no, no. You know. I mean, these long-term pitching contracts, just you don't get the full, you don't get yeah, the maximum. You don't. I mean, year five, you know, they're going to start to, I mean, shit, you know, well, with Lester, who knows? I was talking to one of my friends uh, back in Illinois who's an avid Cubs fan, and part of me almost wishes that they would, throw the money at like a lesser level pitcher and then and then try and go after like a hayward i think i said it before but Mm. you know i i think the cubs could use a little more offense too but yeah the the price thing is interesting arietta said he would do whatever he could to try and help grinky like he said he he it's in you can go online and read the interview or whatever but um it's interesting i don't know you know i i honestly am not that thrilled still about the lester deal just because (laughs) the way it's turning out but give me another year of lester and we'll see how it goes um you kind of had to overpay for him anyway if you you know what i mean like because there was a if you weren't going to do it somebody else was going to you know i mean so um I think that I, I think you're right that I could see more than even though the rumors are swirling around price in the Cubs right now, I could see them going down the list a little bit and still getting a good pitcher, you know, like somebody oh. like some of the names that Jonathan just mentioned a few minutes ago, like, I don't know, um, like Leak or Doug Fister, maybe or Ian Kennedy. White you know what Chen. I mean? Some, yeah. yeah, Chen. Some of those guys that are like you know quality number threes, uh, or so that that still will cost a decent amount of money, but they're not. Yeah. Gonna, they're not going to totally like, you know, they'll be half of what you would have paid, yeah. half or less than half of what you would have paid for. Price. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be they... Ian Kennedy. Market. They're yeah, going to sign Ian, Ian Kennedy. Kennedy. All right. We'll see. Yeah. The uh, they gave up a lot any... of home runs last. They year. need some innings eaters. That's for sure. Yeah. They'll get some. They'll they'll, they'll get a pitcher. Yeah, uh, I, that's. I mean, they've said that's the priority. Um, so, and also one other thing, you know, Arietta. He let's be honest. He's he's not going to pitch like he did last year, this upcoming year. Um, but he'll. You know, I th- I think you've you've found your you know a, a quality starter now, a great pitcher maybe even. He'll get expensive too. You know, I mean, here like a couple of years down the road he's going to be due for a contract and you know all indications pointed like he's going to be a good pitcher you know next Um, year will say a lot yeah it will it will yeah it will so all right so my next question then levi um for you is will the the cubs 
obviously have a lot of trade chips with all of this young talent on the field. And I assume I don't I haven't followed the Cubs farm system that closely since a lot of these guys have already come up. Um, Do you think you'll 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 trade some young talent in order to maybe acquire a pitcher or another bat? Yeah, I definitely think they're willing to trade uh, Castro. I think they're willing to trade Baez. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably Soler. I was going to say, if somebody put together a, a good enough deal, I think they would. Get, I think they're a little higher on Soler still than than Castro and Baez. Right. Um, I, the Castro rumors have been swirling for shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Half, you know. I, I would oh. say, and you know, the obvious untouchables. They're not going to get rid of pretty much the other rest of the infield. No, no, I, no. I mean, I think, yeah, I think uh, those guys are those guys are going to be around for a while. But uh, it's it's nice going into the off season to know that you can sacrifice talent of that caliber, like Castro, Baez, and Soler, and and improve the team. You know, I mean, you can lose guys like that, you know, without without just totally, you know decimate yeah Yeah. Yeah. and you almost have to because strategically it's like you if you if you have uh you know a plethora of talent you need to turn it into you know proven talent right Uh, if if you can't ready if you have that luxury just do it you know we're, we're talking right now in the middle of november you know we might june might roll around and the cubs you know will be competitive but they might have some hole that just that isn't there right now you know like just somebody might get injured somebody yeah. might get injured somebody's not producing you know what yeah. i mean it's just to be could, honest and that could I that could we, shift that could cause a shift yeah. in action anyway yeah i think we got really lucky at catcher this year i think that could be a spotty position next year just because uh, you know can can miguel montero yeah. play that many games again can yeah so is schwarber just not an option at catcher even though he was a catcher when they drafted him it, it, it seems like Joe will throw him out there, but I think they're a lot more comfortable with him not getting injured. Did he catch field. any games last year? Oh, yeah. So. Did he? Or did he? Schwarber? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Schwarber caught a couple games. Okay. Yeah. But long term. I mean, it's like Bryce Harper was a catcher when he was drafted. Yeah, yeah. And so it's – I think that's their – that could be a spot that – could be a potential weakness because David Ross obviously isn't an everyday catcher. Sure. Um, yeah, he played. Uh, he started fifteen games at catcher. Schwarber, Schwarber did. did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So not a big sample size there to see. Um, but uh, yeah, Montero. I was I was never crazy about that move, but obviously you know. It, he, uh, no, I love the way he played. He always played hustled. Well. Yeah. He seemed to control the, the, the staff well, the pitching yeah. staff. I just I we I think we got really lucky, but maybe he's the, always that healthy. I don't know his all of his past, but it, it seems like it seems like to to be older and to be a catcher, you know, there's just you break down, your body breaks down. Yeah. So I mean, they uh, they might, uh, you know, I think there's only like two years left on that deal, I think, of yeah. Montero. So yeah. Matt Wieters will be a free agent next year. So I don't, I don't know. You might, you know, there might be some options out there if you want to go big on catcher. So or or maybe you'll have somebody come up or maybe. Yeah, I think there could be another guy down, but I think he might be a few years away. But yeah. Let's see. 
All right. So uh, interesting stuff. Um, but it, yeah, I think you're right, though, that obviously Russell looks like he's kind of untouchable. Um, yeah, Brian, obviously, they're not going to trade him or Rizzo or Schwarber. So um, so, yeah, those are probably the guys to be dealt. And it looks like just looking around the rest of the league, the names that you'll probably see making the most moves, um, the franchises, the Giants and the Red Sox looks like probably be two of the biggest players because they're teams with deep pockets that um, don't like to stay bad for very long just because they're, you know, they're historic big franchises that, you know, win a lot of World Series titles. And so I think they'll probably want to make a point this off season, both of them. Yes. Um, and then it looks like the reds, like, you know, like Chapman's available. Frazier's available. Um, I'd love to have him, but I just don't know if like, I, I don't know if he'd be the best fit for where our white Sox are right now. Um, and then what Brandon Phillips, you know, who's kind of, he's getting up there in age, but, uh, and then, uh, who else do they have? Oh, Bruce, Jay Bruce as well. So the yeah. Reds have a lot of moves, uh, a lot of they're going to be sellers. So, um, but yeah, I uh, I'm really hoping the White Sox trade sale because I think it could really be a transformative trade and could set the tone for the next couple of years. You know, I mean, yeah. the next couple of years might be kind of grim, and it could lead to really uh, a big payoff after you know, like looking like. 2017 something like that you know so white Sox, 2017 world series champions um we're gonna need to make some make some more moves and draft well gonna say uh, don't don't print that uh sports illustrated cover yet not yet no (laughs) um so yeah i never thought i'd say this you know like 10 years ago it's like man i want to be the astros and the cubs you know but (laughs) i want to be the astros and the cubs and the royals yeah, um, I think I'd say that. Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. Hell no. No, nope. but uh, those are the three franchises I think that are the envy of most of the league right now. Yeah. Um. All right. So we'll get to that point in the night where we uh, share our recommendations for some tunes we've been listening to uh, lately. Sometimes they're new. Sometimes they're old. But uh, we always guarantee that uh, it's good stuff. So, uh, Levi, why don't you start us out, man? What have uh, what have you been jamming on lately? I have picked up a ton of records lately. Um, if anybody ever wants to keep up with my vinyl purchases, you can follow me on Instagram at VinylBeast and see what I've been buying. And um, one of them lately is this record by a guy I'd never heard of named John Kongos, K-O-N-G-O-S. And that's that's the name of the record is Congos, and it's hard to probably see uh, on the radio, obviously, but the cover is just epic. It's got this painting, and it's got the guy's face and, like, the Grand Canyon and stuff with it. Yeah, it's – and I'll tell you, man, it's like the Phil Spector wall of sound. There's just – like, I've listened to it two or three times, and every time I hear other instruments that I hadn't heard or, like, stuff in the background. And – what it is, is it's kind of like uh, real vaguely proggy, glammy rock cool. with like undertones of Jesus. There's like, he mentions <laughs> Jesus a few times. Yeah. 
Like like you, so you pick it up when somebody says it like four or five times on the record, but like it's on Electra, and the whole band I guess that helped him make this was the guys who did uh, Elton John's Madman Across the Water. Hmm. Ah, and nice. So it, it's it's just a really weird eclectic record. Uh, the highlights on it are a song called Tokolosh Man. That would, there's a video of it on YouTube I think you can put up, Jonathan. Um, another one is Jubilee Cloud is the name. And then another one called He's Gonna Step On You Again. And so um, <laughs> I, I'll say it, it's on Electra And Electra artists of this era, this is 71 or 2, 72. It's like they signed some really obscure acts. Not that this isn't accessible, but like I, I have another band called I think uh, Aztec Aztec Camera or something like that, and it's mm-hmm. on Electra from that era, mm-hmm. and it, it just seemed like they would they gave a lot of people a chance. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, right check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look for it tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good, man. Good deal. Excellent, Jonathan. What about you? Oh, mine is a one of my favorite albums of the uh, of the aughts. Probably this is probably my top top five albums of the aughts. Okay, and it's uh, it was released in two thousand eight. Uh, Bonnie Prince Billy's "Lie Down in the Light." Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie Prince Billy is uh, Will Oldham, uh, who's had a few projects, um, and uh, uh, one uh, called Palace as well, um, and. Uh, but but this it's it's Americana, um, kind of folky, rootsy. But he's very um, his 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 lyrics catch you off guard. <laughs> uh, I've I've uh, th- there are overt refer- overt yet rootsy references to um, um, uh, oral fixations, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and and so it catches you off guard. And so it's this uh, dichotomy. Uh, but the, the music is, is, is great. The lyrics are great. I highly recommend it. Uh, Bonnie Prince Billy's Lie Down in the Light. Cool. Bonnie Prince Billy. All right. Will do. Um, my recommendation is actually a compilation, and this is something that I, I really just discovered recently, and I, I have to admit I didn't know much about this scene. Um, Seattle had a, uh, a funk and soul scene, really, in the 60s, up until like really like the mid eighties. Uh, but it was really kind of, it, it almost it remained local, you know, for the most part. Um, because most of the bands on here, actually about all of them I'd never heard before. And when I was doing a little bit of research on them, um, you know, nobody really took off outside of the Pacific Northwest. Um, the compilation is actually, it's a soundtrack <clears throat> to um, a documentary called Weedle's Groove, uh, Seattle Funk, Modern Soul, and Boogie. There's a volume one that's 65 to 75, and there's a volume two that's 72 to 87. Um, I, I, I stumbled upon volume two first, so I'm looking forward to going back and listening to, to volume one. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of what I've heard about kind of Minneapolis's scene that was kind of like that in the 70s and 80s i mean granted more big names prince obviously being the biggest one came out of there but you also had morris day you know and 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 folks like that so it's it's a little bit similar um in the sense that you know kind of sort of somewhat geographically isolated areas 
you know i mean minneapolis and seattle are are both great cities you know but they're not you know they're not necessarily um you know they're not they're not huge markets really you know uh seattle most of its you know acclaim came in the later decades um but yeah, so this was a really cool scene that I, I just discovered. Um, some of the good artists on this compilation, there's uh, Septimus, um, Romel Westwood, Romel Westwood, Step, a band called Steppenstones. Um, yeah, uh, Robbie Hill. Just, I, I, I like all of it, you know. Um, it's, it's really good. It's on Light in the Attic Records. Great, yeah. great label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put out we some just, good stuff. Uh huh. Wheels Groove, uh, volumes one and two. Like I can't speak to two yet, but um, yeah, check out. Uh, or I'm sorry, I can't speak to one yet, but I do plan on diving into it. But yeah, check out volume two and just really, you know, take in this cool scene. It's got. It's motivated me to want to watch the documentary about it as well. Uh, so I definitely want to 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 track that down. So yeah, yeah, check it out. I think I think everybody will be. Uh, it's really a pleasant sound. And just really kind of a of a cool scene that never really, um, you know, got beyond its uh, its local borders. Yeah, so. yeah. Who would have yeah. thunk? Yeah. Uh, Light in the Attic. They also released uh, Rodriguez. I yeah. Think, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of brought him back to the nice. surface. Yeah. Um, cool label. Yeah. Another great documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Um, we are online at rockchew.com. Uh, so check check us out there. That's really where you can find really everything in the rock and roll Shinsu Chu universe. Past episodes, uh, links to tunes that we've discussed on the show. Um, also, you can uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Rock In Chu. Rock as in in as in no 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 no. <laughs> Nobody can do. Baseball and rock and roll like we do. All right. Um, so, Boogaloo. Um, that's a great song. Um, so, yeah, Rock Inchu, at Rock Inchu on Twitter and Instagram. And please like the Facebook page. Tell all of your friends. And uh, we look forward to spending this off season with you. So, everybody, uh, thanks for listening and have a great night. Peace. Later. Later.